Welcome to the film room, everybody. On this episode, we are covering 2004's Dawn of the Dead. And on this episode, I am blessed to have both of my uncles returning, Don Wayne Gacy and Seth Reed Dahmer. How you boys doing? <laughs> You're doing good. Uh, that that was a good that was a good intro. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. How you doing, Don? I'm doing quite well. So Donnie uh, popped this cherry on our It Chapter One episode, and <laughs> we're bringing him back, you know, pretty pretty quick here. So, what you, you you must have enjoyed the experience recording and being a guest. So I'm assuming that's why you came back. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I listened to it multiple times. I mean, it's fun to listen. Just all three of us doing our thing and. Hope we have a, another successful one. Yeah, I think this thing, this will go pretty well. That was that was a lot of fun. I'm glad you're able to uh, join us on this episode. This is like, and Seth can attest to this. This is like the infamous episode that's like been in the works for like three to four months, and we just yeah, were able to finish it. Our first attempt was not very successful. No, I mean we just sat and babbled on for like four hours, three hours, four hours, and then we're like, and the next day I just get a text, this isn't usable. It really wasn't. <laughs> we have to redo this. It's just, no. We were both so far off the rails, just, no, we got to redo yeah, it. Yeah, I think mostly with, with that episode, just the energy was so low. We had low testosterone. I don't, I'm sure you guys can probably explain what that feels like, but um, that's what I would I would say that kind of felt like was just some low T, uh, no energy, just, you know, pretty. Well, you had been out for a brandy tasting or not a brandy, <laughs> a, a bourbon. Uh, bourbon tasting. And I had been out for a while. And like I said, we just went way off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> so, you were like, yeah. Seth, I got to go to bed. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? We're only like quarter way through the damn movie. Was this a Sunday also? No, this was during the week. Oh, geez. Yeah, everybody had to work the next day too. Yep, yep. That was a little. We're gonna do better this time. We'll be on. We'll stay on task. You know, you. You should almost have like a blooper reel. That might have been a good one. Oh, I don't know about that. I I I don't think people would want to listen to. Yeah, it'd be it just, right, what do you think about this? Well, and he tried to keep it on track, but he, yeah, he, he had a little bit of sauce in himself that night. So it was sort of nice to see that he's fallible as well. <laughs> and it sounds like you get enough of that on the regular podcast. You don't need to. Right. I don't, yeah. Add a, add a more incoercive one. Yeah, there can't be, if there's only two guys. You know, on the show, you can't have both of them absolutely fucking gone. You know, one of them. And we both were. Pretty much. We both were. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, Don. But no, I, I made sure I maintained. So, I'm, I mean, I watched it this morning again for, I don't even know how many times I've watched this show. I mean, it's well over 10. But, you know, I'm here and I'm, I'm coherent tonight, brothers. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see about an hour in, but I'm happy to hear the, the beginning of this. As soon as you hear the, 
I'm like, oh, it's Howard Stern. It's as, a, as soon as you start hearing the like weird animal noises you make, then you know. What? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get into this shit. All right. I'm not going to feed into you all tonight. So, like I said uh, at the beginning of the podcast here, we are reviewing 2004's reboot or remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, I think I've seen this movie, gosh, probably close to 10 times. I would say that this is probably my most watched uh, zombie flick. I'm not a huge zombie head. I mean, I did watch The Walking Dead. I dropped off after like season seven. But overall, I just feel like there's not that many great zombie movies, in my opinion. I mean, I could probably count on one hand the ones that I are rewatchable. But this one stands out to me as probably my favorite so far, as far as zombie flicks go. Not just like horror and B-movie type stuff. But I want to ask you guys a question. When when was the first time that you ever watched 2004's Dawn of the Dead? Um, you know, I, I really, really kind of regret that. I don't think I saw it in the theater. I don't know how I didn't, at least that I recall. I don't know if the zombie craze was, you know, starting up again, and I'm not sure, but I don't know. I I know I've watched it many times, like you guys said, 10 plus. It's I don't know. It's just got every aspect a person wants in a zombie movie. And uh, it's not a long movie, hour and a half. So it's pretty easy to get through. And so, yeah, it's just always been a good entertaining one. Absolutely. It's it's, it's a lean and mean runtime. Seth, what about you? First time ever seeing Dawn of the Dead? I honestly was lucky enough that I did see this in the movie theaters. I had a friend that was into horror and I really wasn't at the time. And I don't know, to me, it also is a one that I can just, it's one of my zombie movies. I can go watch time and time again, sort of like you're all saying and still just find things. It's like, yeah, Steve's still a dick, you know, just, I don't know. It's just, it's just a good movie. And it's the only problem I have is them fuckers are fast. They're not leg Gregors, and that would scare the hell out of me if it really happened. But I mean, very, very just good movie, well put together. Their effects weren't like CGI or anything like that. It was all really just guys that do special effects, and I, I, I just really enjoy this movie. I love the story. I love the way it goes. I mean, yeah, well, cool. and plus, I've seen it well over ten times myself. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it definitely has a high rewatchability uh, rating, so I'm super excited to dive into this with you guys. But we, but hold that thought. Hold that thought. I can't believe I haven't asked. I do this every single episode. It's one of the most important questions, and I didn't even ask it yet. Fellas, what the fuck are we drinking? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that's what was coming. Um, I'm cutting loose this time, baby. <laughs> I have a... <laughs> I just have Jaeger with some monster and made it a little cloudy. Holy shit. Donnie's going to be fucking bouncing off the walls here. So Donnie is coming unhinged on this episode. I'm I'm impressed. Yeah, um, wait, we'll see how it's going after an hour, that's for sure. Well, you might <laughs> sound like I usually do by the end of the podcast. 
Um, I personally am having blackberry brandy with Sprite. Wow. You know what? I feel ashamed to even say what I'm drinking right now. But Diet Mountain Dew. I'm having a Monster Energy Zero. Okay, what's that mean? It's just like a zero sugar, zero calorie. So you're just getting amped up and you don't get anything else with it. It's like, oh, at least you're being healthy. We're going to get your heart beating as fast as we possibly can. But there's no sugar. There's no artificial flavors. You know, (laughs) Kool-Aid man ain't going to kick the dang wall in and go, oh, yeah. You're just keeping her safe tonight, huh? You know, but the thing is, is, yeah, like my my heart's going to beat faster. I'm going to have that energy that's going to kick in. But my brain's going to stay sharp. Donnie, I'm going to be, you know. I'm going to be kind of like observing him for a little bit because, you know, he's mixing the energy with Jägermeister. I mean, that is. I will admit that I did have one Jägermeister night. I don't know why I do not drink it anymore, but somebody's just like, hey, let's have a Jägermeister. And I was like, fuck, yeah, you don't turn those down. Those are too good. They are. You want to have another and another and another, but. I had one and said, I got, I got shit to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, you know what? Honestly, once I finish this, I, you know, we're still recording. I might go and make myself a Jack honey just on the rocks. Oh, Jack honey. Yeah. So Uh, we'll we'll see how everything goes. Honey is so much smoother. We'll see how everything goes, but all right. Like always, before we kind of dive into the film here, you guys got any recently seen worth mentioning? Movies, TV shows? No, no, not really. Okay. Been pretty boring, I guess. Well, one Don missed that we just went and seen Oppenheimer was oh, very yeah. interesting. I mean, that was a good one. Uh I just got done with the uh, Secret Invasion Marvel thing on Disney. That was pretty dang good. I mean, I'd recommend that. As far as horror, the only horror I watch, we talk about. So (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. I Actually, I went to Oppenheimer last Sunday as well, and I thought it was awesome. And honestly, that could probably be considered a horror film. I would say the same thing, yes. You know what? Just had very horrific circumstances and uh, themes and elements in it. So, uh, people out there, if you haven't seen Oppenheimer, I mean, it's a a three-hour film. It's tough. I mean, my bladder almost exploded. Three hour and 15 minutes. Well, we went and had lunch before. I had to go and take a shit. I missed like 20 minutes of the damn thing. Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) Donnie, what are you laughing about? You were there. You got you're like, I know. Oh, but... you missed Juliet Hugo completely naked <laughs> again. I'm like, well, what the fuck? Oh uh, boy, I just can't believe you said that. <laughs> oh, that was me. <laughs> no, I'm saying what you said. I got caught up in something. I mean, but hey, well, that's cool. That's cool. That's the thing with Seth. He has no shame. He's very transparent. He'll tell that filter just slowly disappears. What filter are we talking about? You don't have a filter. You just, you got to say what you got to say. And sometimes 
people don't need to hear it. <laughs> That's the only way to say it. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I don't think I've watched really anything besides Oppenheimer that would be even close to like horror related. So, yeah, I, I, I do actually plan on watching Twin Peaks soon. I know I talked about that last time I was on here. And then I, I'm like, I don't know why, but I, I just am, I'm in the mood for like a 70s horror film. So I, I'm, I'm on a mission to find find one that stands out to me in the next week. All right, let's get in the meat and potatoes of this sound bitch. <laughs> <laughs> let's do this, boys. So I am going to provide a brief synopsis of the film. Dawn of the Dead. The remake, not the original, obviously. When her husband is attacked by a zombified neighbor, Anna, played by Sarah Pauly, manages to escape only to realize her entire Milwaukee neighborhood has been overrun by the walking dead. After being questioned by cautious policeman Kenneth, portrayed by Ving Rhames, Anna joins him in a small group that gravitates to the local shopping mall as a place of shelter. Once they convince suspicious security guards that they are not contaminated, the group bands together to fight the undead hordes. Somebody uh, crinkling up their notes? or Sorry, I'm putting mine together to make sense here. Yep, sorry. That's, uh, <laughs> all right. All right. that's quite all right. Okay, now I'm done. <laughs> so I apologize. <laughs> right during the synopsis, he just <laughs> yeah, like I'm like trying to explain. Stuff. I didn't realize the microphone was that sensitive. Yeah, <laughs> I will keep it in mind. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I think I'm going to try watch Twin Peaks. I think I've seen a few episodes, but. Once you brought it up, I'm like, I need to maybe catch that. I don't know what's on. Uh, boy, it might be on Prime. I'm not positive though. Oh, yeah. But just to correct, just to correct you, uh, Lauren Holly that you're talking about, the redhead, mm-hmm. she wasn't in Twin Peaks. She's in. Uh, it's called Picket Fences. I had to look that up because oh, I used to watch that. Don is bringing that. the knowledge. Uh, no, Seth did. Oh, and he said there's I a hot redhead, about the girl from Dumb and Dumber, and I didn't. I, I, I was didn't bring a, that up. I the huh? I didn't bring up picket fences or no. You that. you said she was in uh, Twin Peaks. When? Said that hot redhead from uh, Dumb and Dumber was in Twin Donnie, Peaks. We're doing a new one. We're not doing the old one. Well, I understand. This is something totally different. I'm just correcting you. That's all. Okay. <laughs> brothers, fuck? brothers, brothers. I didn't bring anything didn't... up about any of this. Okay, let's <laughs> get into the meat potatoes, motherfucker. <laughs> God all almighty. Right. All right, we'll, we'll move on. So <laughs> thought we had a moment to rift, so. we're going to discuss some of the themes the motifs and symbolism present in the film so this is a zombie survivalist movie with an overall theme of redemption if you think about it in the end so what's kind of funny about this film well it's funny now if you're kind of like a, a dc head you know a dc fan but this was directed by Zack snyder in his directorial debut the screenplay was written by James Gunn. 
cool. Which is kind yeah. of funny because Zack Snyder had the Snyderverse and the D- DCEU, and now James Gunn is taking over and rebooting everything and making it DCU. And it's just kind of funny that they crossed their paths back in the early 2000s for this zombie horror movie. Which is one we all agree we love to watch. Yeah, you it's know, great. It's pretty cool. So I have some quotes from, from Gunn here. Um, Gunn and Zach's kind of offered their own two cents on it, but they just, Gunn mentioned how he wanted to explore the human condition as well as tell a story about redemption. So it's kind of about some become redeemed and some do not. Like you can probably think of a few that, oh yeah, you know, are, are redeemed. Like Michael, Andre, and CJ come to mind as exploring the idea of redemption. On the flip side of that, like Steve and Bart and Marion, to a certain extent, end up not being redeemed. What What do you guys think about that? Like that undertone of redemption. Do you, Do you think it's present in the film, or did you Did you catch on to that? Um, redemption, huh? I guess I didn't really catch up much on that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have much of an answer for that one. <laughs> no, that's okay. But like, after kind of explaining that, or Gun kind of mentioning that's how he kind of told the story, does it kind of make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Seth. <laughs> Go to yeah, your notes, I, Seth. Honestly, I think there's a lot of redemption. I mean, CJ, I think, probably goes through the biggest change. I mean, from being... It's the best character arc, for sure. Yeah, I mean, from being an asshole to really, he did many heroic acts through this movie, and he, I think, really had one. Uh, you know, Michael as well. It's almost like he lost family. He talks about losing his child, and you know, just how much he was sort of the level-headed part of this group. I mean, yeah, I think there was a lot of and Andre, nah. That dude was he thought his child was going to like usher in a new world. I don't know. I, I didn't quite agree that he would be considered that. Plus, he didn't let anybody know what was going on. Yeah, he got sketchy there towards the end. Well, but with him, though, you know, who knows what his childhood was like and how he was, and maybe in his own way, he protected his family, you know? Yeah, that's kind of... So, I mean, he still, he stood by them with all that going on, and, I mean, we may he not agree with it, but... His wife turn and try to have a baby that was turned and thought they, it was going to be amazing? No. No. Sometimes you get people he, are blind. He endangered the he endangered the group. I I don't agree on that one, personally. Yeah, I think obviously it's pretty subjective on his whole character arc because, in one way, I agree with you, Seth. Right? Because in the end, like he did something that completely put the group in in jeopardy. But this on the flip side, Donnie's point, it's kind of valid because remember when he, does he pull Michael aside and he talks about how. He he looks at this as a second chance to do right because he used to kind of be no that was when him and Kenneth were sort of washing up in the Kenneth that's right yeah and he and that's when he was like you know what I don't care about your sins brother I don't care and Kenneth you know so because he was 
pretty much the same character almost through the whole thing, but he was really calm out. Don't think because you're here, you just don't want to die because you don't want to face the sins that you've already done. Right. And I don't know. I just, I don't think he had a character arc that went good. I think he just endangered the whole, well, but love and Jeepers bringing a child. I mean, he had to be on an emotional roller coaster. Let's let's talk about some of the the background information now on on this uh, this film. So obviously, like I mentioned, pretty interesting that Zack Snyder's directorial debut with James Gunn writing the screenplay. It was released by Universal Pictures uh, on March nineteenth, two thousand four. With a runtime of 100 minutes, like Donnie said, pretty lean and mean. Can any of you guess what the budget is? And I'm going on an honor system thinking you guys aren't going to Google it. Any wild guesses? 30 million. Okay. Seth, you throw out a number. I would say uh, seven. No, I don't even think it's that high. I think like five and a half mil. So Donnie was closer. It was twenty six million was the budget. How much do you think this made at the box office? Two hundred and seventy million dollars. Seth. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do I just want to try and be closer to him, or say what I really think? <laughs> say what you really think. Say what you really think. Um, I would say around. 95 million. Seth, you're very close. It made 102.3 million dollars at the box office. Ah, oh, man. Ooh. <laughs> you guys kind of went back and forth there. That's like a heavyweight yeah. title. Uh, nothing We're wrong with tied. that. This was considered a financial success if you think about it. It made uh, you know, about four times its its uh, initial it's budget, which is pretty good. Let's move on and let's get in to the characters. You guys ready? Oh, I'm ready. Yep. Okay, first we have Sarah Polly as Anna Clark, a married nurse. Polly, who was the first choice for Anna, agreed to take the, the role because she saw it as an unusual departure from the stereotypical portrayal of female characters. Considering it to be anything more than somebody screaming and running away as such, she admired Anna's resilience in the face of adversity. What did you guys think of our main protagonist? Um, I guess, yeah, you could tell just by the job she worked as a nurse that, you know, she kind of was one of the more prepared for this than most of them. I mean, of course, it freaked them all out, but she really stepped up in a lot of situations and uh, especially how the beginning of the movie starts out for her and being introduced to it losing her, I believe, husband. You would think she'd be just a basket case, but she was a very strong character. She seems so composed throughout the entire film. Yeah. Well, to me, it seemed like she was an emergency room nurse. So she was used to high-intensity things coming in and being able to keep a level head and everything. But yeah, her escaping right away was, you know, just a detriment to her character. There are times I think that her caring put the group in danger. 
I mean, just everybody you can help, you have to help. Which, man, if you're in that situation, you got to be thinking about who you're helping out and what they're bringing in, which we see later on. Right. But, I mean, she just has a constant, but she's strong. I mean, there's times where she sort of gives herself a little bit of a breakdown. But it's always when no one's there, when no one's watching. And yeah, she usually has good ideas, but I, her bleeding heart, I think, at points sort of endangered the group. Yeah, I think it was hard for her to like, she probably had been a nurse for years and that's was her number one duty is whoever comes through those doors I it's my job to treat them and to make them healthier and yes, feel better. I can help them, I can fix them and we'll it's, be able to make sure they live. Yep, like, that's not that she's just not in the same world anymore, in the same circumstances where you have to be a little more cautious and I think if anything that was like her only flaw, but it's still a good character trait to have. You know, and she also showed that she had pretty thick skin because dealing with the condensation condensation from the from doctors and then these guys are treating her the same way and she'd tell them like it is and wouldn't put up with their shit and if I if I turn you can kill me she's like oh guaranteed (laughs) no second thought on that so she yeah very very uh, strong character yeah she's very stoic at times that's for sure Let's move on to our co-protagonist, Ving Rames, as Sergeant Kenneth Hall, a police officer and former Marine. Rames said he was sold on the project due to the diversity of the cast, as well as director Zack Snyder's track record of saying a lot with a camera without dialogue. He also jokingly stated, I want to be in this movie because the black guy lives. (laughs) (laughs) So I fucking love this is probably like my favorite character from the movie he's just like that silent the silent leader and he's just like the type of guy who's in a group and just knowing that you have him makes you feel just even more confident and and just like safer i guess you'd say and this was my introduction to the actor ving rames and i just thought he did a really great job and and all other stuff that I've seen him in. So he's in People Under the Stairs and the Mission Impossible movies. I think he's done a great job and all that stuff. But specifically in this film, he, he plays a very strong co-male lead to Sarah Polly. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I love him in just about every role he's in. I mean, he's strong. He is a policeman. He has that sort of air of authority about him. He doesn't put up with any shit. He tells it like he is, and he takes care of what needs to be taken care of. And the same way we're saying about Michael or Anna or any of them, the same way he changes throughout. I mean, yeah, but there's nothing that goes on that he isn't willing to put himself in the thick of. Right. He's always willing to step in there as a protector. Boy, that took a lot of the... the description of him but i think yeah that's the biggest thing it seems like anytime there's a police officer in these movies they're usually just their normal authority is always expected at all times and you know they're human too but he uh like seth said though he went through a good arc of initially all he cared about is he wanted to get to his brother 
Didn't oh, really get a shit about that yet. Huh? We're not bringing the brother thing up yet because I already got something to say. <laughs> but, you know, he just, he was only worried about his thing. And then once the other people come and they're asking him, we need your help, and he starts changing. And then when he meets Andy, he kind of develops that kind of a camaraderie with him. Oh, you know, so again, you can see his arc. What? Oh, I didn't know we were bringing up every... Go ahead. <laughs> Jesus Go ahead, Christ, are you going to just fucking keep interrupting me or what? Next Jesus. character. <laughs> right. That's wow. a little rude, ain't it, Matt? Yeah, I, let, let's let's make sure we let each other finish our thoughts. It, it'll it'll flow a lot better, and it's it, it's easier for me when it comes to editing. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry, I just I didn't know how far into his arc was going. It's okay. It's 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 fine. Oh, Don. It's all That's right. fine. We'll just keep going. Let's let's move on to the to the next. I I I would almost say he's part of that. Well, maybe not like the the lead group, but just because he's kind of introduced later. But uh, the actor Jake Weber portraying Michael Shaughnessy, a television salesman. Weber described his character as an everyman suffering from an existential crisis after his divorce and the loss of his child, but later finds his identity as a skilled zombie killer. Dawn of the Dead was Weber's second horror film after Wendigo in 2001, as well as his first studio film in which he played a central role. Well, I guess that basically answered my question. He's part of that central role, or, or I guess lead lead cast, but Michael has like such a great character arc. I mean, think about the sacrifice that he makes at the end for you know the group to, to get away, and you can definitely tell this guy's like beating himself up every single day for things that happened in, in his past lives. <laughs> but I'm interested to hear what you guys think about uh, our, our guy, Michael. I think he really uh, initially kind of just is feeling everyone out. And, you know, he's trying to be the, the word of logic, you know, what we should do, things like that. And, and then, like, when they get into the mall and he's asking CJ, you know, kind of telling CJ what they should do, but kind of asking him about it, like, what he thinks, because at the time, CJ thought he was in charge. Right. Um, and you could tell that he was someone that's good at dealing with people. And I think he does have a, a tough past, but he still seems a very strong, reliable person. Yeah, definitely. Seth, what are your thoughts on Michael? That's pretty much everything I got down, so I agree. <laughs> you concur? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I liked him. Um there's that is it that dinner scene? You guys would have to help me because I I didn't like uh rewatch it so recently, but is it that dinner scene where he like reveals the the divorce and the loss of his child um kind of all going around the table i i don't know if it came out that well i mean we i think you just assume he says she's like what's your worst job and he's like well i've i've been married three times which is kind of surprising and none of them worked out but the only thing he did right in his life was his child you know but the child's not with him so you're assuming that his child is deceased so 
you know, it kind of brings a somber end to that table discussion and whatnot. So, because you're kind of right, where it almost like it it turned it turned to almost him being the more vocal leader of the community. Yeah. So, yeah, he's an interesting character. I I liked him. I liked his uh, calm demeanor throughout most of the film. And I think as it went, he started taking more and more of a leadership role. And and I think they kind of started noticing and following him. Like, I know we'll get into it when they had to go into the basement, you know, and tell CJ to get his ass in there. And yeah, Uh, that's true. Okay, so next on my list, and I'm 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 uh, intrigued to hear what uh, Seth has to say since he he disagreed with uh, my listing of him as have having a a redemption in this film, but Mackay mm-hmm. Pfeiffer as Andre, a streetwise expectant father. So Pfeiffer agreed to be in the film because he was intrigued by its script, whose quality he described set, set it apart from other zombie B movies laden with terrible acting silly situations and chicks running around with their boobs out. I completely forgot that Mackay Pfeiffer <laughs> is the one who portrayed Andre. I was pleasantly surprised when, when uh, I saw him, him on screen. And uh, yeah, it's like one of those where, uh, he, you know, he's his girlfriend or wife, whatever, maybe his partner is, is expecting. And it's just like one of those like situations where you're like, like as being a father myself, I'm like, that would be like the absolute worst case scenario is like my partner being having a child, like a young child or your partner expecting in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, because just that's going to slow you down so much. And you're just so much shit you have to worry about. Like I couldn't even imagine. I felt like this entire time he's like trying to wrap his head around like what he's going to do once the kid gets there. And then he just kind of has his, uh, you know, obviously he kind of goes, crazy in his final moments but uh, i don't want to take up too much of a uh, character so seth what are your thoughts only <laughs> sort of selfish can i talk oh of course yeah well, for fuck's sake what i mean <laughs> he's he's selfish but as you said it's somebody has their child coming in He's also ultra aggressive. I mean, when he first sees Kenneth and Anna, I mean, he pops a shot off immediately. You know, without even knowing who they are, or running at them. I mean, you know, of course, then they find the mall. Yep. And in there, he sort of barricades and makes his own place for the wife, or like you said, whatever she is. And really endangers the whole community that's there with you know his fascination that he's bringing a baby in that is somehow going to be special or something right and I don't know being a father as you get deeper how could you it'd be a hard thing to choose I mean that really sort of tear you apart. So he probably dealt with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I just think like, we'll think about, I, I might be wrong, but I thought somebody made a comment about how, like once the baby's there, like that's basically like a, a signal is like, right. Cause it'll cry and 
attract attention. And I was going to ask you guys this. Sorry, um, Donnie, I'll get to your thoughts real quick. But you, you brought up them uh, coming across the mall. If there was a real life zombie apocalypse, do you think that would be one of the first places you would try to get into and, and barricade yourself in as a mall? If it's if if it's got the shields connected, you damn right. <laughs> There's a lot of white weapons and ammo, and only problem is that's where probably most people would try to go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's those are my thoughts too. Is like I would, God, if I could just find like a, it's hard because it would be like that's great because it has everything you need. But so many people will try to go there. And also think about how many fucking doors and exits you'd have to like check every day. Yeah. It'd be so hard. I mean, at least they're pretty impenetrable doors if they have them locked. I mean, that's true. That's one thing. But well, um, the good thing they had in this is several floors. So they yeah. go up through the elevator. Who is second? And I think it even had a third floor, which they were doing the the help signs and stuff on for playing stuff. But as long as you can get off the top ground ground level, you know you're safe that day. Yeah, you'll you'll be able to you'll be able to make it. But yeah, zombies can't use elevators. I guess you always yeah. want higher ground. To my next statement here, the higher ground thing. Seth, you've mentioned that you you would go out into the wilderness. You'd you'd be up in trees. You'd be in tree stands and stuff, right? If there's zombie apocalypse, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> if what happened? If there's a zombie apocalypse, if there's a zombie apocalypse, I go to the least popular place with food, water, animals, and that's where I would do my thing. And as we were talking about old Kenneth trying to go and get his brother, I'd be like, well, I guess Donnie's fucked. Yeah, you're kind of just like fending for yourselves at that point. You're saying you're heading north, though, aren't you, Seth? Why do you say that? Well, I thought you always said you'd want to go like up to Alaska where it's colder, too. Oh, I thought you meant, and yes, I would probably go north to make sure if I could find Abby or not. But after that, how do zombies move if it's freezing outside? They can't. They freeze. They <laughs> well, and there's less population up there. So. Hit them once and they crumble to pieces. Yeah. That's, that's good, good point. Um, sorry to <laughs> diverted, but I wanted to know what you got, what your guys' thoughts were on, the, on that. So, Donnie, anything to add about Andre? I mean, I kind of get where Seth's coming from, but my my big thought on him is all he cared about was at the time his girlfriend or whatever I don't think they're married but about his girlfriend and his baby coming and like when he shot at Ken and Anna I think it's just a reflex because he's got her behind him and he's trying to protect her and he makes that mistake and then anytime they want to do something like she need to use the bathroom and he doesn't go with them CJ said where are you going? She's not going there alone. Like he will not take a chance of her being, you know, anything potentially happening to her. And even, you know, he kind of argues like when they want to help that group get into the building, he kind of argues, we're not going out there, but then 
with uh, Michael not being the brightest <laughs> tool in the box, whatever you want to call it, but he still helped, you know. So it's like he's trying to be – I think he tries to act like he's stronger maybe than he is, but like Seth said too, when his girlfriend was starting to transform, he tied her down, but he still had this need to protect her. And I think he did go mad, obviously, because then the baby comes and he's holding it and he's – doesn't even think a thing of it, just it's my baby. So it's a weird thing, you know, but he was protecting his, what he thought was his family and maybe doing what his family never did for him. I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. This next character, guys, we got Ty Burrell as Steve Marcus, a flippant, snarky, and annoyingly foolish businessman. Burrell auditioned for the role of Michael the same day Weber auditioned for Steve. Describing his character as a totally nihilistic jerk, Burrell found his role to be appropriate for him because he was too flawed and too scared of a person to effectively portray the ideal leading man required a Weber's role. Wow, that's like really... That's a lot of self-reflection right there. I'm not gonna... I'm not. I'm gonna let you guys take the floor with this one. Yeah, he's... Uh, there always has to be a prick in the group, and he sure filled it well. Very self-centered, you know, kind of entitled. And even just first coming in, he's not happy that he's somewhere safe. He's just got, you know, snarky remarks to anything someone would ask about anything. You know, when Kenneth asked about the area where his brother was, he's like saying, you know, not just straight up saying, yeah, the place is gone. He's being a smart ass. And I'm surprised Ken didn't just punch him at that point already but yeah showed a lot of restraint well you know steve was a he was a dick <laughs> i mean really nothing else really say he was lazy and undoubtedly said entitled yeah you could tell he never had to work a day in his life anything the group did he really didn't give a shit he just sort of felt like he should be taken care of, and I will say that his death was quite satisfying. Oh, yeah. But she had to go back and get the the key. Oh, yeah. We don't want to get into that yet. So, but, yeah, he was just just an arrogant dick. That's real. And who can believe that could be Phil Dunphy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, God dang, he's such a goofball and that. It's like, what in the hell? Well, yeah, sometimes it's hard well, to see them in other roles after they've been in like a TV show as a character. Right. Long. I mean, I'm not comparing him, but look at Joe Pesci. Home Alone to playing a mobster that you'd shit your pants being around. Yep. So, Michael you know, Smith. but he... I was going to say, Steve, though, did bring a little comedic levity to it, you know, just with his smart-ass remarks. Kind of, you're kind of like, what a dick thing to say, but it's kind of funny, too, and you know, how he'd act. And... Thing, it's like, oh, that's Steve. He's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> just, that's the whole explanation you need. I mean, you got to realize that no one is going to chance their life whatsoever to almost to maybe save his. It's like no one's going to try to save your life no matter what's happening. No, I would throw him. I would kick him in the knee running away so fast. Be like, <laughs> see ya. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, but, oh, yes. So, Steve, like, his only value to the group, it felt like, was the fact that he had the, the boat that they could get to. Because other than that, he's like, he fucked everything. Every other job that he had, he basically fucked up. Because remember, he was supposed to watch the door. I mean, yeah, and all sorts of things. He's just like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, Steve's a dick. I mean, fucking A. I hey. think, dude, you're more of a liability than uh, Andre and his pregnant partner over here. Like, he, he should have been shot before Chip or Nicole. Even though they fucked a lot of shit up, too. Yeah. Hey, at least he got laid, though. That's. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you guys ready to move on to the next one? Yep. yep. We got Michael Kelly as CJ, a ty- tyrannical mall security guard who is subsequently overthrown. The character is noted as having having been given an arc that centers on redemption. I would like to take this one. Yeah, go ahead. CJ actually is one of my... I think he's my favorite character in this whole film. Just, I mean, when they meet him, when they come up the elevator, and I mean, he's a dick, too. But he's protecting what he has. And But as time goes on, every single time you need a hero, it seemed like CJ was there. Yep. CJ always stepped up. And at the end... CJ gave the ultimate sacrifice, you know, sort of give them a chance at getting away. I mean, he went from just no way you're going to be here, you're going to be locked in these places to really becoming, I would say, one of the biggest heroes in the movie. Yeah, everything Seth said, you know, I mean, he sure did have a good arc, you know, I mean, seemed very selfish and think it all turned around when they went down to try to restart the generator and I think when he saw his buddy get killed like he did I think he really came to the realization I'm going to have to rely on people other than just myself myself to you know survive this and I think he developed a, a appreciation too and I think yeah he just became more and more reliable and very I mean it was a very effective guy I think he was one of the more accomplished killers of the group he was he's ready to go so yeah that's definitely a guy you'd want on your side you know if you're going in to do any sort of mission or anything because he he was very uh very handy with the firearm that's for sure let's move on to our next character kevin Zegers as terry the junior mall security guard so he's the one that has a relationship with uh nicole the redhead kevin zegers i just like i like him as as an actor um he's been in wrong turn frozen in uh the early 2000s he's he's just great but uh he's he stops thinking with his head up top and starts thinking with his head on the bottom donnie am i supposed to respond to that well donnie you're first (laughs) um yeah i don't know you know, I guess he's the newest of their group and wasn't quite totally sold in on it's just the three of us, no one else. You know, uh, yeah. he didn't pull his gun on him. And I think he, he had a little more of his humanity still at that point than the other two guards. And he seemed like, you know, he was just a good guy. And, you know, if a hot redhead comes along, why the hell wouldn't you 
try to work your way in there. So I think the montage scene did a really good job of like really quick recap of what's been going on for the past two, three months of, of them uh, creating these relationships. Cause didn't he like stargaze with her and stuff? And it's like, Hey man, like you found a girl your age and it's working out. Like why not? But also double-edged sword because you live in a, a world that's not as safe as it used to be. So better watch out. Yeah. Seth Free, Dahmer? Well, I would consider him a dreamer. It's almost like, you know, this is happening and now all of a sudden this girl showed up and it wasn't really about, holy crap, what we're living in. He was living in what he had right there and it was probably better than anything he had before. Because it seemed like he was the one that was sort of bullied, sort of the odd man out, I would say, with CJ and them. I mean, but when Nicole showed up, it's like you see him watching her when her dad's getting shot and he's watching her on the surveillance. And Wait a minute. Maybe he was a creeper. Never mind. Well, he did. He did. He was watching Anna, I think, go change when all of a sudden the truck started coming at the building. And then he saw the truck. Oh, shit. I forgot. He's a creeper. So he kind of uses the cameras to his advantage in a way. So, well, probably the smartest one, even smarter than TJ, because at least he uses cameras. Yeah. Yeah. Although the decision to open shop for the truck. I don't know about that. We'll get into that, I'm sure. All right, next guy we probably don't have to spend too much the, the a lot of the rest of these characters are some of the uh secondary very supplemental types. Yeah. So we probably yeah. too long on them, but uh we got Michael Barry as Bart, an inconsiderate mall security guard. He the entire time I'm just like I can't wait for this guy to die. He was he was <laughs> terrible. He was so he was so fucking annoying. He was just a meathead. What do you guys think? I would say he had no empathy. He had no understanding. They were like, dude, your mom's dead. Dad, everybody's dead. Everybody knew he's dead. And he's like, yeah, that sucks too. It's like, I think he was a psychopath that just happened to be in this situation. And I think I will say this. We, you always ask our favorite Scenes of the movie, his death, I loved it. <laughs> they had the dude coming, and I guarantee you they weren't using CGI. He had to be uh, uh, had his limbs removed, but coming on lateral amputee, dropped down on him. That was amazing. And I was like, Yeah, take that dick out. Yeah, didn't bother me at all, but he, he died a cool death. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of those betas or tries to be a beta to CJ's alpha and yep. makes the other guy go do the thing, says, you're the trainee, but then he does stupid shit or says stupid shit. And, you know, he's, he, you know, that's just the character was written for you. Like, I pray to God he's the first to die, which he was. So, well, yeah, he um, and it's a very satisfying satisfying death because I think they used a couple you know uh, person with the, you know the person had amputated legs and then 
yeah. think there's another one that had an amputated arm, which, you know, what you would expect, they're actual, you know, amputees. So, I mean, yep. I think they do that a lot in the, all the any horror movies nowadays because, you know, it's just more realistic and give those guys work too. Yeah, you got to be inclusive oh. now, for sure. Oh. Right? Yeah, and then the 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 child in um, uh, a quiet place. She's actually deaf, which is like yeah, really yeah. Good representation. Well, they did that in The Walking Dead, also, but we don't. Or yeah, Walking Dead. They had some actual deaf people that were playing deaf people in it. So yeah, and that makes complete sense. Yeah, Lindy Booth as Nicole, a young woman, and Terry's eventual love interest. You know, Nicole was just kind of a meh character to me. And I'm like, I don't really have a positive opinion about her. I don't have a negative opinion about her. I definitely felt terrible about her. That, that was a hard scene to watch with her, her father passing and everything. So I, I, I had um, sympathy for her. But at the same time, you know, I, I didn't want to see her get hurt. But when she fucking got that dog, oh, did that just piss me off the things that she did for that dog and then it fucking killed people it basically ruined everything she ruined everything <laughs> yeah she she's another i think was just more wallpaper i mean she's pretty girl but seemed extremely naive i'm not sure if she was all there you know because all she did was paint stuff didn't really help much else uh worried about the dog all the time where's the dog i mean but I guess you understand losing your family. She seemed quite young. I don't know if she's 20 or what she was, but, um, but so that's why maybe Terry, you know, not, you know, maybe kind of being a comfort to her help too. I mean, right. I think she was totally lost, especially having your dad being killed just like that. Sethry Dahmer. Killer. <laughs> Dude, um, her and fucking chips. Every bad thing that happened in the last part of the movie, and including the end, her and that fucking dog. Chips! Chips! Oh, what happened, Chips? Like, shut the fuck up. We're all okay. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and how they're on that fucking boat, and they got no water, no food, but they ain't ate that dog yet? Give me a fucking break. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Chips. You're going down. At the very least, we're going to cut you up for bait and catch something for fish or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she constantly put the group in danger. Was sporadic, impulsive, and did not see the big picture. Yeah, for her to be one of the four last survivors is a little surprising. Yeah, and when that ship lands, oh, Chip! Oh, son, holy shit, a whole island worth of people are coming out of. Thanks a lot, Chip. They only... <laughs> I think Chip was just fucking them over. He's like, fuck, if they eat you, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I can live. Yeah, I think Chip is the winner in this whole situation. Yeah, yeah but he doesn't get to have his belly scratched anymore. Well, who's to say that if you didn't eat something, that the dead one scratches his belly going, I wish I could have that. 
<laughs> Mate, he might be living the fucking life. God. <laughs> that fucking dog figured it out. Wow. Yep. The hell with Garfield? He couldn't do it. He just wanted lasagna. This dog just is like, oh, these people are dying. They're dying. <laughs> it might take a little bit of time, but they're dying. And I'm going to be here at the end, and I will shit on your face. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, dogs can be assholes. Let's move on to the character. <laughs> so we're, we're at the home stretch here. Uh, these should not take very long. Um, we got How? Jane Eastwood as Norma, a middle-aged female truck driver. She was the chain-smoking one, right? <laughs> yeah. She, Yeah, she was like... I don't even really have an opinion on her. <laughs> Wasn't she part of like the church group or something that... <laughs> I know many women that are because she was sort of a tough ta- I mean wasn't a big character but sort of a tough strong did what needed to be done the only thing is she couldn't drive do you see her back that truck up it was all sorts of fucked up she took out the posts and everything women drivers am I right boys high five <laughs> okay yeah I don't know if I agree with that but Donnie no, I'm, I think she was, you know, kind of a, a strong female character. I mean, very, not a lot of info with her, but she was helping out, you know, more than a lot of the guys, you know, and doing what needed to be done. And unfortunately, picked the wrong time to go have a smoke and a chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she seemed to ask a lot of questions. That's what I remember from her. Kind of, kind of know people. Last words, it was that asshole shot me. Spoken like a true truck driver. <laughs> Next, we got Luda, Andre's pregnant wife. It says wife. Got oh. They, oh, Donnie, they were married. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> I guess that doesn't really uh, change a lot, but uh, she's like Russian, so she doesn't speak like very much English, so she's just very much like a she's like a silent character throughout the film. Pretty pretty yeah. pretty gnarly uh transformation though. I remember as a kid that uh birthing scene always like disturbed the hell out of me. Yeah, that was that was uh pretty nasty. Uh so enough of it to be grossed out and luckily they didn't go any further with it, but um yeah, she, you know, another, you know, it's got to have those exterior characters just to fill in spots. And she is pretty, even though she's pregnant, but, you know, good looking girl. And uh, <laughs> seeing her do that transformation, you're like, yikes. What? <laughs> <laughs> ah, she's pregnant, but she's still pretty. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That is hilarious. Okay. <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right, Donnie, you got enough for me longer, okay? Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> Let's talk about the blood shooting out onto the All right. bed. What's, this, what's the symbolism there? What? 
What is the symbolism? <laughs> I've watched I've watched my child be born. That is not how it is, Don. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> well, it's still something you don't really want to look at, but it is birth, but I don't know. That was weird because, like, she turned and then he's laying on her belly and the that's the thing that was weird to me is the way the belly moved and you can see that it's still alive after she sort of dies. Because she does come on as a, you know, quiet sort of just behind Andre. Yeah. I mean, beautiful young gal that you don't think nothing about. Like, didn't realize that a scratch could kill her. But, uh, yeah, that was that was disturbing, man. Truly was. Truly was. I, I think that's, besides that, have you ever, Matt, have you ever watched Z Nation? No, never. It's a, it's a zombie series. It's more of a comedy horror. It's pretty good, though. It's funny. It's, you know, inter- entertaining. But in the first season, they have, like, a zombie baby born, but the baby's, like, running around in the room, like, you can't see it, and you know you're trying to k- get it and kill it, and oh, before it kills you. And so at least this zombie baby didn't have any mobility to it. Kind of it, freaked out. It looked like my belly baby. No, that, no please don't be my belly baby. It's Quattro. Quattro. Please stop. Quay, open your mind. Seth, <laughs> so we're moving on. We're moving on. Okay, you move on. Okay, last two characters here. I got Kim Poirier as Monica, a sexually uninhibited woman. This is the one that, uh, what was his name? Steve just goes to absolute town on. And she just kind of plays this, like, ditz that we don't get a lot of background information on. And she has, like, I'm sorry, but that bus scene where, like, the second bus, like, flips over or whatever, where... Chainsaw? The old guy just, like, chainsaws her stomach. Like, how dumb. Like, why did they pack all the idiots into one... Like, basically, it was... uh, Everybody... It was Kenneth and CJ, and it was, like, the rest of them were idiots. No, CJ was with Michael and them. Remember, he yelled out, hey, we lost him. No, he's not an idiot, though. No. Monica and Glenn. Glenn is the one that had the chainsaw that Oh was, uh, I thought CJ I thought CJ and, and Kenneth were on the same on the same uh bus, but it was was it Michael and CJ on the same bus? Yeah, Michael, CJ, Anna and uh Terry. Yeah. Oh gotcha. And then all the other misfits were with Kenneth. Okay, I got you now, but I just remember like she might have had like two or three lines and I think like one of them was when she was moaning in the montage sequence. Well, one of them was she said something really sort of cool at the table when they were all sort of sitting there together, like sort of right before everything went bad. But other than that, it was yeah, it's just sort of nice, nice looking when she was on screen. Is <laughs> a kosher way to say it. I mean, it was like I didn't have a problem with it. Okay. 
Uh, Donnie? <laughs> oh, what the hell is that? <laughs> she, uh, she kind of was like, I think she liked to try to be the center of attention and, you know, some like when Anna was asking Michael all those questions about, you know, what's your job? You say, I was a copier. I was, I drove a Zamboni. I don't know what all he did, but um, <laughs> she kind of like rolled her eyes when she kept asking him questions like, geez, just get it on that. Why don't you? And then the other scene when um, uh, Nicole's looking for Chip and she kind of mocks her chip, like, you know, give it a rest, you know, and so she kind of had a little bit of a, you know, she liked to be a little drama to her and want more attention on her, but at least during the bus, you know, fixing up the bus, she at least was helping out, you know, so she needs if some chick was running around yelling chip, chip, chip the whole time where there's zombies all over, I'd be like, shut the fuck up as well. Yeah. No, I understand. But Giving just, away our position. Just trying to give what her, you know, personality kind of was. And she was a lot like that, you know. <laughs> Fellas, we're on our last character. Well, I guess relevant character to, to mention on the pod. We got ourselves Bruce Bond as Andy, a gun store owner with whom Kenneth develops a long distance relationship with, or friendship. I should say relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I honestly, I love all those scenes of them on the on the rooftop writing messages back back and yeah. forth to each other, and when they played uh, like the Where's Waldo type type game or whatever, like uh, Burt Reynolds and Celebrity Headshot. Yeah, as I was calling yeah. headshot. <laughs> well, I would call it. Yeah, that's actually that's a good one. So, celebrity headshot. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I think we got just a few, a few words from him over the walkie-talkie. Otherwise, most everything was um, across across the street or across the way. But I was really rooting for Andy to somehow make it over to the mall and join up with the group in the community because I felt like you would have been very resourceful. Like another like handyman and gunman that can kind of fend for himself and protect others, but you know, you kind of knew that he was gonna get got. Yeah, he was uh you know, it's kind of a cool character to add in, you know, where he's totally secluded from you, but you know, the only way to communicate was through the eraser boards which worked out really well but you know it's probably especially for him once they did get him a walkie-talkie to actually talk to people he had to feel really you know secluded and alone and uh but he had one of the best places to be aside from no food yeah but he had you'd think he'd have enough mres or something in there to you know last him a while i don't know but do do you remember when he was on the walkie-talkie he's like yeah i'm fine he's like oh fucker bit me in the arm so like he, My, he didn't know that you would turn if you got bit I, yeah I see that is the that's the tragic sort of thing about ken with andy because kenneth was gonna go find his brother and that's when he sort of 
form this bond with Andy across across the way, and they use a dry erase board to converse. I mean, they never had a walkie-talkie or anything, and the only way that sort of happened is when they sent Chip over for food. And he didn't get his door down fast enough, and they got in, and that's the first time Kenneth heard his voice, his actual voice. And he was talking about how he's bitten. He knew that this was a death you know. But Kenneth really just sort of talked to him like a brother. Just yep. It was almost like he was saying goodbye to his own brother. Because when they actually went over there to try and rescue Nicole, that dumb bitch and that damn chips... <laughs> <laughs> you know, when Andy turned around, it's almost like he was saying goodbye. It's like it was an old yeller moment. I mean, it was like you're putting your own down. You know what I mean? Well, he probably saw a lot of himself in him, figuring maybe he had military experience too. And I mean, I don't know if they were they ever exchanged that. They don't show it, but I think, like you said, I think he almost felt a little way. Uh, seeing him a little bit like his, his own brother, you know, and hope wishing he could at least save him. I'm sure that was hard when, when he said, like, man, they bite hard. And he's and she said, should we tell him? And he's like, no. I'd be like, is that Donnie? Well, he's fucked. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be all right, folks. Peter, and Kendrick, and I. Uh, damn it, I don't know what to tell you. He's fucked. <laughs> well, aim for the balls. I mean the head. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like he's coming to shoot me. No, I just wouldn't come and get you. I'd be like, yeah, he's fucked. Oh, you need yeah, the ammo though, so bit. you'd have to come. He'd be bit. You oh, need I the guess. ammo, so you'd have to come. I'd have to kill my brother. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it'd be that tough. Oh, come on. You know it would be. <laughs> it'd be extremely tough, but I'd be considering it taking me out of your misery. Put me out of your misery. <laughs> I love you, Don. <laughs> double tap his ass. Oh, I'd triple tap. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> oh, you're a strong man. You'd probably get up. I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Damn it, you just ain't Tristan. Shoot him again. <laughs> he ate her? He ate her? He didn't just bite her? Oh, well, he's on the path of eating her. <laughs> Damn How it. How did Tristan get pulled that, into this? Now we got to put Ozzy down. There's no way around it. Uh-oh. You're oh, gonna, Terry's going to be down. like. This has to be cut out because Terry would get pissed. <laughs> I'm keeping it in. <laughs> what? I'm keeping. I'm keeping it in. It's staying in. <laughs> well, it's all jokes. I mean, Tristan did get bit. We killed Donnie, and then Ozzy. <laughs> okay, you're just digging yourself we a had bigger hole chips. here. <laughs> we had to keep chips. <laughs> I always tease Terry. Go, that boy's got some big ham hocks. We could roast okay, up. Now you gotta cut it because we're both into it. <laughs> okay, continue, Maddie. I was going to say, fellas, we have made it to the end of the character list. So 
like I mentioned before, the character list is pretty exhaustive, but it covers a yeah. big bulk of the film. So I feel like I felt like we covered pretty much all the bases with everyone. What do you what do you what do you guys think? Yeah, I think so. Awesome. Well, pretty much. So all right, yeah, we'll move on to our next section here. Let's kind of talk about some of the elements of the film, um, some of the jump scares, the tension built up, the gore and the suspense. So um, I can go first. I, I think the gore is like second to none. It's it's pretty good. They're using practical effects, which I always, you know, appreciate. And uh, I mean, with a zombie film, I kind of feel like you have to go with practical effects or otherwise, like, why are you making a zombie movie if you're going to use CGI blood and, and guts and stuff like that? But um, yeah, th- like this was a scene that you guys both kind of brought up multiple times throughout the character list, but the uh, the underground parking garage where they had to go turn on the generator, I felt like that scene built up a lot of great tension and suspense and obviously had some jump scares. And um, that's just one scene that kind of sticks out to me. What what are your guys' thoughts on just like the overall you know, horror elements of the movie and, and some of the tension that got built up? You know, I think that, you know, for being a monster movie, of course, and zombies, I think they really, you know, like they do in a lot of the shows nowadays, it's a lot of the human element, them dealing with each other. I mean, they're protected pretty good from the the zombies at the time, but they're still in fighting. I think once the, you know, they start dealing with some more zombie things, they almost draw together better as a group and start having each other's back better. So I think that's like you guys talked right away, the growth. I think they all grew you know, in certain capacities, just as the dangers got worse. That's very much true. And hey, Seth, before you jump in with your two cents here, you're going to love this. So let let me mention this. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) The special effects makeup for the film were, were created by David Leroy Anderson with the assistance from his actress wife, Heather Langenkamp. Does that ring a bell? It does. We've gone through this for, I mean, this, I mean, their effects, I absolutely love. Yeah, but Seth, do you know who Heather Langenkamp is? Why, what am I supposed to say? It's Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, well, I'm sorry. (laughs) She has her own, like, she, she owns, so she doesn't do much acting anymore, but she owns her own, like, makeup effects company with her husband and she fucking did this movie with him. That's awesome. That's and her husband's awesome. Freddy fucking Krueger. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, didn't she have help for Freddy? Donnie, I think I think he's poor Freddy. He's had too much now. Oh, I'm gonna say that about an hour fifteen, it kind of started getting a little dicey, and now we're going into the no, honestly, uh... dead zone. Honestly, the effects, I really like this movie. I, I like real effects, not CGI. I mean, CGI is good in certain shows, but I mean, zombie movies, like Don mentioned, it's, you know, people that are missing limbs and, you know, and they make it such a good, like, my favorite death of this thing in the going to start the generators. I mean, Coming across the pipes on the top with no legs, it was amazing. 
Yeah, like, you know, I, I'm bad about it. I wouldn't know who you were talking about. I don't know that's who that actress was. Yeah, Matt. So, oh, <laughs> guys. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool, you know. I mean, because I thought their effects, like Seth said, were really good. And I don't know if I rented the DVD or maybe I even, I might even have the DVD because, you know, they always have extras. And I think they showed how they did some of the, you know, like when he stuck the guy, the zombie through the head with the broken crochet handle and the yeah. chainsaw going through the girl's shoulder down. They showed how they actually did that. And it's pretty interesting, you know, all the, you know, where they had to make, a, obviously make little molds of them and then do the activities, so. I do gotta ask, what the hell made you decide you were gonna grab a croquet mallet? What the fuck, dude? You had a big old hammer in your hand. That's he had a crowbar. Okay, well, crowbar. Big old. I don't know if he just thought it was bigger and heavier. I, I, I was a little like unsure too. I'm like, I'd grab a bat, but. Well, that'd be cool too, but I sure the hell wouldn't put my damn crowbar down. No, yeah, I, I was a little unsure about that too, but he wouldn't have been able to stick it up through his skull. <laughs> He's inexperienced. I don't know. Well, yes, Matt, he is inexperienced, but until the end, he seems to have a lucky horseshoe in his ass. He's sort of the finds a way to sort of manipulate people to sort of do things like. When they had the help on the roof and all that stuff, why the hell do you have it hanging off the roof on the side? All you're doing is inviting more people to come. Showing that there's people in there. Don't want to do that, right? Well, you want to do it from up above if somebody's flying by, but you don't want to let people that are so desperate to break in, you know, almost a walking dead thing almost at that point. Let them know, yeah, we're here, we got food, we got water, you know. Like, but you're that, not going to come and try and take it over, you know. At that I, point, though, they've got a lot of zombies out and about their facilities, so I don't think anyone would be trying to get in. Well, somebody did get in. All sorts of characters. Drove up in a, in a truck and... Backed up and got in. Yeah, I can. Oh, there's people there. Let me drive and bring everything. Well, yeah, but there weren't as many zombies at that point. Well, why do you think they got so many zombies? Because them fuckers showed them where to go. Well, yeah. I guess you're not wrong. But is he right? Yeah, it's that gray area. That's two different, two different things. Yeah. It's a horse of peace. I agree with you both. Okay, fellas, let's move on. So let's talk about the cinematography, <laughs> the lighting, sound design, and some of the practical. I guess we kind of covered the practical effects used to create the atmosphere, but I'm I'm kind of excited to talk about the cinematography since it's Zack Snyder. I mean, the other films that come to mind are 300. Some of his DC films like Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, where he just loves like the the dark tones and the dark lighting. He just has a very unique way of working the camera, I'd say. Like, he, he's, like, probably just there's a handful that I can come up with, you know, off the top of my head. And he's one of them that I'm, like, I could probably identify a Zack Snyder film in the first 10 minutes of watching it. What, 
what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess I can kind of see your point in that. I mean, I'm not quite as good in the cinematography, you know, differentiate. I don't know. I guess I don't think about it as much as you do, maybe, but um, I think he does have those ways of, you know, it, it seemed, you know, it's daylight, but as soon as they're going, he's going to search, they're searching around, just making sure all of a sudden they're in a dark sports store. And, and of course there's something in there, you know, so it's like, of course it's gotta be dark and not great lighting for me to see real well. And so, yeah, I mean, always has to have that element when you're going into what's going to be a dangerous situation. Seth Redomer. <laughs> um, I think everything he does is big. Whether it's down to like the smallest frame, uh, watching a zombie on top of somebody you might not see, Michael, but you see the zombie just going crazy. And then there's such big things like the truck were coming in and all the different zombies, but just the way they do it. I, I don't know. I, I think it's amazing. Yeah, definitely does a, a great job. Well, with that said, maybe we should discuss the key scenes that define the film. So, like last time, gentlemen, we selected three scenes from the movie that stood out as, uh, I guess, oh. the most interesting or the most entertaining or the, maybe the most pivotal to the plot. Donnie, Seth, which one of you are ready to reveal your first three? I need to think about it, so Seth's got his notes. Let him go. Yeah, but Seth, it can't be uh, about the first, second, or third red balloon. <laughs> you mean the, the what? You mean the red balloon? <laughs> yeah, you getting it? Red balloon. <laughs> I said the motherfucking red balloon. No, I'm all, I'm all right. <laughs> oh, you assholes. I'll tell you what, I'll get my first, and then we'll go round table. I'll start my second, we'll go round table. Yeah, let's do that. That's a good idea. That way, you know, it gives you time to sort of think of really what you're you're saying. I I will say my favorite scene was the in getting the generator started. And you knew it was a person without their legs and stuff that was doing that it was real time it was clever chip the fucking dog apparently was he's okay though <laughs> i mean <laughs> but no this really hate that dog was, because it sort of showed that they were learning because they waited they let him get into there and then they attacked and if it wasn't for the gasoline and CJ having a a lighter, they probably would have got eaten too. But no, I my favorite scene is on the pipes, just bearing down, dropping down. Plus, well, let me look at the the my notes here. What was his name? A little arrogant, uh, Mark. Plus, he got killed. I was all right with that. It's yeah. like if I was there, I'd be like, "That's okay, Mark." It was just Mark. He was a dick. Okay, 
Matt, you're up. Yeah, sure. I'll 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 go. One of my favorite scenes is when they're watching the uh, CJ and Terry and Bart and some of the others are kind of in that like home entertainment center that they've kind of like set up as their uh, like living room area, I guess, or where they're sleeping. And it's when I think it was like the next morning where they're watching the TV and getting like updates, and they get like the the lowdown on that like camp that they wanted to to make their way to or the one that uh, Kenneth's brother was at and it was like the sergeant being like you gotta shoot him in the head um, That's we got a treacher we got a treacher yeah yeah I, I just thought that was like like kind of cool because it kind of sets up that like false promise of, of a safe haven right because like right after that they were like oh I will we need to go there my brother's there they they have you know they have, they have a community there. It's going to be safe there. And then you find out later that it it got obliterated and that's not necessarily the case. So I, I just kind of like the setup kind of from the beginning of the film. Don Wayne Gacy. <laughs> I guess uh, the first thing that I thought of was the very first sequence where she's at the hospital and you know, why is this guy getting a head scan? He's got a bite on his hand or whatever. And then she's leaving and there's people coming in on stretches. So it's the start of stuff, but nothing's come out yet. And then she's home and that little girl, man, when she's standing there and her husband walks up to him and then she attacks him. And then once she throws her to the floor and how she hops up like a that, oh shit, this is what they're going to be like. Yeah. The- zombies which i hope if we get zombies that's what they are these are freaking mobile jumping running i'm dead <laughs> so yeah uh that was i thought a good opening sequence you know of, and then her husband dying and then coming back that quickly you know she should have realized or i guess maybe not that you know oh he was bit he died and he came right back and she got away but even driving away and just seeing all the sudden chaos in her neighborhood and then as she's driving down the road and just explosions everywhere and it's like this has just gone off the rail and no time to even understand what's going on or where you're going so i thought that opening sequence really just set a tone for the movie and kind of what to what you're going to be in store for that's a really good one i was actually gonna that was gonna be one of my top three but i'll i'll be uh elusive and try to figure out figure out a next one but i was gonna say i'm i'm gonna go next and he actually just used what i honestly think was my second favorite and i agree with him it's like from the sort of beginning when she was leaving to seeing the little girl and her showing up and then like you said how fast her husband changed i mean it didn't take long and it's, it just sort of set the tone for the movie, and me, you know, in my eyes, like. And then you got Johnny Cash playing when a man comes around, and they show the chaos and stuff happening, and oh, that's like, great. yeah, it, for the intro, and you know, they had like, you know, even the White House being attacked, and military people trying to hold them back, and just it just sort of set the tone for the movie of just how absolute this this disease or problem or whatever you would call it is yeah it's everywhere i, you I think yeah like seth said just real 
Well, I'm just saying, you are on your own. There is no help. There is no nothing. And the music in every sequence change yeah. was awesome. I love it. I mean, everything, even to the homage where getting down to the sickness. I mean, yeah. this this movie had a great soundtrack. A, amazing. And every one of them almost parodied everything they were doing. It was so it was put together so well. So well. Well said. Yeah, I definitely agree. Well, yeah, I would say another like my second favorite scene was probably the uh bus montage where they're like souping them up souping up the buses with the shields and they're like modifying everything, putting on those like little slits in so they can put the chainsaws out and I'm like, damn, I was like that's like very inventive and that's like a great idea, like in theory, but like practicality wise, like once they actually got out there, <laughs> it was kind of funny how like they were just barreling through like hordes of zombies and then they just got just stopped in their tracks. Yeah, thicker than snow. Yeah, so that that was one of my favorite scenes. My next <laughs> one would be when they went to rescue Nicole. And it was kind of funny because they got down through the sewer and they get up out through the manhole and they're, it's like you're just walking nice and quiet. And there's no one noticing. And then that dumbass closes the hatch, clonk, and they all turn and, ah, you know, <laughs> it's like you stepped on a stick. You're trying to stock something and you step on a stick. <laughs> it's like, shit, shoot and run now. I mean... And then just the whole sequence of when they're in there, they get rid of Andy. And then when they're getting back out and it's already blackout, um, I can't think of the guy's name with the hat, but he was, I mean, at least he was up there helping, killing zombies. And he unfortunately dies. So he really did sacrifice himself, you know, to help. So I like that whole sequence. I mean, from just kind of, they're like, they're going to get to the truck without hardly being noticed, and then that little noise, and they're all on them. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Seth Rotol. My last favorite scene is CJ's last. Oh. Um, he had gone from wanting no one there to sort of allowing it to be in prison's imprisoned himself, you know, and sort of not trusted to building up trust, to helping build things and really be a hero. Like Don said, when they dropped the damn man lid, manhole lid, and it's like, what the hell? Why did you even close it? And when I believe it's Tucker falls in and his legs are hurt, I mean... CJ does his best to pull them out, gives them two gun pistols, and just starts pulling them through the sewers. Yeah. And at the end, you know, he sort of realized, man, I overstayed my overstayed my time. I should have been here. And he realizes, well, I'm not making it out. So he does his best to kill as many, and then he shoots a propane tank and the and the road flare and blows everything up to give them a chance. I would say CJ's sacrifice at the end is probably one of my third favorite scene. That's a good one. That's a that's a good one, Seth. I would 
I would say just for like the emotional response I got from it, but uh, when they had to basically put Nicole's father down because he was sick and he, you know he was bit, that was really sad. That was tough. Nah, give him in the head. Get it over with. Same <laughs> girl in the wheel fucking barrel. I thought I that I thought... girl in the wheelbarrow come in. It's like, no, shoot her. Shoot Zach, her. Snyder, Zach Snyder did a good job of taking this movie that's, you know, lean and mean, 100 minutes long, and it's been fast-paced like this entire time, and slowing things down to kind of have the discussion about the humanity that goes into this world of zombies, right? Like, they're, they're still, they still have their, mora- their, their morality, right? I'm sorry. Up. If that happens, you have to lose all morality. I know, but, but, do that, what you but that's, they're, they're grasping with the difficulty of their morality still, because it's still such a fresh zombie apocalypse, and they're so they're, fast. The, the the daughter element, and and I just thought it was it was an emotional scene, and obviously they they chose this probably the I guess the most emotionally put together and strong strongest with Kenneth going in there to to do the job and you just hear the bang like you don't actually get to see well, it. Well, I hear the scream first like ah! and then boom. Yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. It was, it was kind of That's a, a good scene too and Michael's with Anna and she's like I'm glad you didn't do it. You know, because they had a thing going. Yeah, there's yeah, definitely so that was my third, but Don, what's your what's your final favorite scene? It's tough because Seth kind of started talking about it here. Uh, it is that scene where they're all kind of you know they get off the truck and they're taking them to an area to ch- for Anna to kind of check them over, and that old lady, you know, laying there. It's like if I saw someone like that, like fuck that, I don't care if she survives. I ain't dragging her around. <laughs> boom. And just uh, the fact that, you know, Anna went and looked at the dad's hands, kind of wrapped him up and then uh, gets called over and the old lady died. But then she checks her and all of a sudden she comes back and Anna's like totally cool and collective. She, she, I mean, just in one smooth stroke, just grabs the poker and smack right through the eye and kills her. But then she's defending them, killing the father. So it's, you know, she's like. Her reaction is right, but she still tries to be righteous, you know? And then when she, when Steve is turned, she gets that little smile where nice, bam, pop him right in the head. So she was was a badass. I have one question though, because she said when the girl in the wheelbarrow died, she said, I listened to her heart stop. And say that again, Seth, start from the beginning. What's up? Start from the beginning. I didn't quite hear you. I said when the gal in the wheelbarrow died, <clears throat> you know, she turned, and Anna said, "I listened to her heart; it wasn't beating." So they knew they were dead, but they never said she was bit. But yet, when Norma got shot, she didn't turn. The old lady in the wheelbarrow, she had a bite on her arm. She had been bitten. Well, there was she a even lot said, of arm to bite. I think her only line was, my arm hurts. Who the hell? She didn't have a line. 
Yeah, she did. She just said my arm hurts as they're wheeling her. No, she was the whole time. No, shoot her in the head. Shoot her in the head. Well, yeah. Nat? You know. Shoot her in the head. You know, just another fact with that that clip I watched, that was a guy in a fat suit or a guy playing that part (laughs) to get up and be able to move like that. They had a guy play that part. I did actually just try to get, like, the main characters' names before I started, so I just sort of write what I had of each one of them. And I was like, wait a minute. That makes no sense. (laughs) Showed a guy with the lady's name? Well, it showed a dude, and it was her part. Yeah, they said. Yeah. Completely covered in latex. Yeah. God, yeah, she was. That'd be like the most terrifying zombie to come after you. Just like fucking 450 pounds and just like. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And fast. <laughs> I'd be like, shit, shit. I'd be able to hold up in a room with a lock on it for like three days, and I'd be like, "Well, this is this is the end. This is the end." Well, fellas, on that note, we are getting towards the end, and before we kind of wrap up this episode here, I just kind of wanted us to summarize our thoughts on the film and uh, give a rating and whether or not we'd recommend. So, I can I can lead us off if you guys don't mind. You know, my overall thoughts on the film, I kind of touched on it in the beginning of the pod. I think it's probably a top three zombie horror movie for me. I mean, this is up there with Zombieland. I know that's more of like a horror comedy, but that's probably one of my favorites as well. And I just think it's 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 really well done, especially for the films that were coming out in the early 2000s, where there were some pretty tough ones. Like, I, I just think of some of the other zombie films like house of the dead uh the the first and the second one came out around this time and those were just atrocious like compared to these like the plot was terrible the acting was bad and you know this is a really the gold standard for for zombie zombie movies so um i thought it was really good i feel like i i i watch it every three or four years honestly now and um i i would 100 percent recommend this to to someone if they're interested in even if they're just interested in the general horror genre but especially if they're interested in like more of the, the creature feature type stuff or the monsters subgenres, eh, let's think here if i give it a rating out of 10 what would our 10 be would it be 10 oh man guys, 10 severed feet 10 severed feet let's do that so out of 10 severed feet i'd give this a six did donia say that yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> so I would give this a, 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 a six out of ten severed ten six out of ten severed feet. Don? Yeah, I mean, like Matt said, I would really strongly advise people to watch this as well. I I've watched it <clears throat> many times. I couldn't really say how many times. Just always is a good entertainment. You know, it's you know, it's not always the typical zombie movie. I do like, you know, like like Matt said, I mean Zombie Land and uh World War Z is one of my favorite, but again, those freaking type of zombies scare the shit out of me. <laughs> but 
I, I always have always enjoyed any kind of zombie movie, be it scary or comedy, but um, as far as rating it, that's a tough one. I mean, I would have to put it at least up at about a 7.5 severed feet. Not bad. Severed feet. Crazy Uncle Seth. Severed <laughs> feet. You sickos. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, again, not trying to repeat everything everybody was saying, but you're right. There are zombie movies that are more comedy sort of oriented, but I'm not going to put them into this sort of genre because to me, that's comedy. And this is more of horror. Um, as far as zombie movies, I, as the same as both of you, I've seen it hey, so many times. Just, there's times I'm getting real ready to go to bed, and I'm just like, what the fuck should I put on to watch while I go to bed? This gets played many times. Um, no wonder you have nightmares. Yeah, I really don't have that problem anymore, Don. Well, that's good. <laughs> Although I did have a dream the other day that I went down and I got abducted by the <laughs> cartel and they shot me in the head, but it was Jesus a blank. Christ, I'm like, fuck? what the fuck? No, I didn't have that the other night, but horror doesn't scare me anymore. I, I enjoy it. Now as Breaking Bad as, is getting well, you. Well, serious. As far as this movie, I guarantee you I'll watch it again. And I would recommend anybody to watch it. I think it's a really, really well put together film. Um, myself, I would give it an eight out of ten severed feet. I guess we could say zombie babies if that's better for you. Yeah. Uh, okay, we don't need to go there either. Zombie babies, <laughs> do it. Zombie babies. Well, you know what, Austin fellas, this was a great episode. Some really good discussions on on a film that's, uh, I think we all agree, is a uh, top notch in the uh, subgenre of horror and the and the zombie survivalist type topics. So, uh, World War Z is another good one to go through, though. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I've only seen that once. Like right what? It, yeah, I think I went to it in theaters, and I just haven't like rewatched it or anything. Like, there's wow. some movies, though, that are like that, where it's like, I've seen it in theaters, I'm like, God, that was a great fucking movie, and then I just, like, never watch it again. I don't know why. World War Z is really good. The book is really good. Ooh. Well, I'll have to check have it out. have to read that after it. <laughs> Matt, have you ever watched, like, any, like, The Night of the Living Dead? Uh, yeah. I've seen the original, and then the one in 90... The remake? Yeah, with Tony Todd. Yeah, and then they they did like the second, third. Boy, those got weirder and weirder as they went. But I kind of was into those back then too. I feel like when I was younger, I actually like didn't mind some of the made-for-TV zombie movies. But it, it, it's hard. It's hard to like even come up with like. I'm trying to wrap my head around the 1990s, like that entire decade. There weren't a lot of zombie movies that came out then, right? All you got to know is this. If anything like that starts, 
you just fucking get all the ammo and all the shit you have, and you say, fucking everybody's dead. Get the <laughs> fuck gone. Get the fuck gone. It's <laughs> a fish. There might be a couple deer around this area. You stay the fuck out of God. Yeah, I definitely, that doesn't really answer my question, but yeah, I definitely do that. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Dude, like, from like that, I'd be like, well, I only got a quarter tank of gas because I was like, that's all I got in my truck. Because uh, Matt didn't put any gas in it afterwards, right? No, I just throw the middle finger out the window and I say, see ya! <laughs> So, Matt, you'll have to have a surviving the zombie apocalypse with Seth. I think we got enough content in this one episode, though. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> oh, for sure. Sorry. Not sure it's worth a whole podcast, huh? Sorry. Yeah, that might be a pretty pretty quick one. Or I guess, you know, Seth could probably make it a longer one if he wanted. Well, I could keep talking, but you want to talk about aliens? No, no, not on this one. I. We got we got to end this thing, but I'm talking about I just, I just wanted to thank thank all of our listeners Man. for excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just naming things, brother. Yeah, just hold on for a second. Okay, you're sorry. at the two hour mark, Matt. It's it's over now, baby. It's it's yeah. It, it, he's he's long gone now. Yeah, he's yeah, uh... can't fucking. It's like that that barking dog. You can't fucking pull back into the house. Oh, you try and pull that fucking jam. <laughs> he, he's kind of like Chip now. Yeah, you're, you're acting like Chip. Don't be a Chips. And I'll tell you this much: what? there's no Nicole on this podcast. <laughs> Assholes. All right, keep going there, brother. I just wanted to thank our listeners for tuning into this episode and just, you know, obviously giving us the all the support for each episode and being troopers for some of the times that there's kind of a lag period between, you know, the new new episodes that we're publishing. I feel like we've been doing a pretty good job this summer with really cutting down on that time and publishing, you know, only a week or two in between episodes. Yeah, thank you guys so much for, for tuning in and listening. I hope you're enjoying the content. If you'd like more content from The Film Room, you can follow us on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. Well, what's known for, formerly as Twitter, now X, so... That's kind of weird and new. We are also on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Where we're making really fun content uh, weekly. And then if you want to go an extra mile and support the show, you can pop on over to Patreon and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. A dollar a month to unlock exclusive access to bonus content. I'm talking blog posts, extra podcast episodes, written content, really a bunch of different stuff on there i have stuff where i'm shooting the breeze with keller or seth or anybody any of the guests on there and i just kind of clip that stuff and throw it on there so if you're interested in that you want to help out the show highly advise you visit us at patreon.com backslash the film room horror unedited crazy uncle seth recordings essentially yeah there, there there's that on there so well how much time you got <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, what, uh, I don't really, ha- I have a bunch of episodes planned with, with Keller coming up. So, but he's been super busy this summer. He's had like a big move and 
all that stuff. Life's gotten crazy, so we haven't really been able to get together to to record. But I think him and I, we got like two or three movies in the works. But as far as as this trio or one that Don and I could do together, Seth and I can do together. What what do you got? What are you guys thinking? Because I have nothing on the docket as as of right now. <laughs> you mean stuff we should watch that we should do? Yeah. Well, you you brought up Terrifier too. I don't know. Do we want to uh, plan uh, that, or uh, or Keller want to be a part of that? I mean, I don't know if you want all four of us, but you're just gonna have to <laughs> develop a way to mute people. Unfortunately, talking it, about me. No, I said people. No, you meant person. What so, was the question? I no, I was just gonna say, uh, yeah, that's not really possible on this uh, recording device that i'm using yeah i i think it'd work out we we i think if there was just who i've done four plus i think i've done like five or six uh people on a podcast one time it was a lot of fun because like we're all drunk and it was like pretty free-flowing just with four of us we would definitely have to be cognizant of uh uh giving each other time to give their two cents if you know what i mean you know what i know no it'd be a really fun thing here I will. I'll text Seth a movie that Seth and I can just do. I'll text Donnie a movie that Donnie and I could just do, and then I'll text in our group chat a movie that us three can do. Shit, we'll have so many episodes ready, you know, locked and loaded that. Yeah, sounds like a plan. I'll just be kind of queued up, honestly. Whoa, whoa. So yeah, it would tie everything together real nice, honestly. Yeah, I think. I think that'd be that'd be pretty cool. So yeah, let's plan on that. I know I brought this up just so that the we could tease the next episode for the listeners. But honestly, we might have no might not have a specific episode. We do for Terrifier two with the four of us, but for the other ones, I guess it's just one big mystery for y'all. So you'll just have to wait until next. Come, we can do some indecent conversations. Hey, hey the, uh, next, the next dreadful discussions will be with both of you guys because remember you're gonna do the horror quiz battle no i um, thought we were doing that tonight and i was so ready to be like i won <laughs> okay fellas we gotta end this episode <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank, thank you guys again for uh for tuning in and uh until next time peace out <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.